1: Welcome in to the RoadWire NFL podcast, brought to you by our friends over at WinBet. I am your host, John McKechnie, joined as always by the Honorable Mario Puig. Mario, how are you doing on this fine Thursday?
2: Uh, I'm soaked, John. It's it's pouring in Madison, or at least uh, it started pouring in Madison right before I started to bike here. So uh, oh. <laughs> um, I'm I'm a lot uh heavier than or a lot damper than i might look at a glance on the screen i i might need to throw out this chair when we're done but uh, other than that I'm, I'm good what about you
1: the man is soggy um i um in in classic internet guy form i have not left my apartment today so uh still dry still dry um nice so at least i have that going for me but it has been raining uh here in atlanta literally all week so it's been uh, kind of a buzzkill, but uh supposed to be nice this weekend, and everyone's excited because the Braves uh, are in the, in the playoffs. I, unfortunately, I guess they're, they're playing your Brewers, so I'm a little torn emotionally. They gotta go. Course, they, they gotta go. Groups. Sorry, Braves. I suppose, suppose they do, but uh, so it goes, man. But uh, we also have week five of the NFL upon us. It, it gets kicked off tonight with a really good Thursday night matchup you know like we we've had some pretty fun interesting Thursday night games so far but this one feels like it's a particular uh consequence maybe maybe more so than um, what we've seen other than that, that opening week Thursday nighter between the Cowboys and the Bucks because we get treated to the Rams going up to Seattle to face the Seahawks the Rams coming off that that kind of not necessarily a head scratcher, but but a a statement win for the Cardinals and a bit of a um, eye opening loss, I, I would say for the Rams, at least to to some extent. So, how, what do you make of that, and in, in as to how it pertains uh, to tonight's game with with that with the Rams hitting the road and facing it, you know, a tough Seattle team.
2: Well, the Cardinals' loss doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot for the Rams. Like in the meantime, I guess the main takeaway I would make on that one is. The Cardinals defense might be a little better than we thought, because I think I think everybody was right to look at that Stafford offense in the first three weeks and conclude, oh, this is different. They're probably better than they've ever been. That can still be true and still have a game like the one that they did against the Cardinals, especially if the Cardinals defense keeps looking as good as it has at this point. So I think they'll bounce back pretty emphatically here against the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks have a lot of real problems and the Rams have kind of you know the problem of playing in a tough division and having to deal with a team like the Cardinals but um I think that Pete Carroll is you know he's pretty much done and they've shown a lot of the same problems so far this year that they've had for several years now and they're even kind of I don't it's not quite the same as as last year where they you know started hot and then got figured out in the second half it's more like they're still doing the things some of the same wrong things as last year, especially like where's this tempo that they were saying they were going to play with. Like I thought Waldron, the offensive coordinator was supposed to have some tempo in that offense. They're moving at a crawl. They're playing like 52 snaps a game. That's crazy. So on the one hand that you would think that would pick up just by sort of chance, even if they don't intend to. Um, But in the meantime, they just don't really have enough firepower in their offense. And and it's, uh, you know, doing this thing where Russell Wilson throws 30 attempts and sometimes scores three or four touchdowns. It's not sustainable. Like eventually he's not going to be able to throw that many touchdowns in a game. And when that happens, they're just sort of dead as an offense. So uh, I'm a little concerned about the short week for Seattle. I mean, I guess playing at home is helpful, but fact is their cornerback rotation is one of the worst in the league. Their defense, I think is so bad in the secondary that it could kind of just fall apart as, as an entire group to the point where even the run defense starts to suffer, even though they have pretty good run stopping personnel. So i if this game is close I guess it's I, I would have to think it's because Sean McVay still didn't show that much like he's still thinking like oh well, we we don't need to use the whole playbook this is not that important of a game but 3 and 1 with the divisional loss last week I th- I think they'll kind of um not go all out but you know take this game seriously and in the process cover I think uh, I don't know if this line is going to move but I I think the Rams win by like at least 5
1: Okay, all right. That, that definitely checks out. I, I do believe the Rams are, are the better side as well, and I, I think there's a little bit of Vegas respect for for that Seattle home field uh, baked into this line here. And and when you mention uh, that that slow tempo for the, the Seahawks, the Rams are also relatively slow. Obviously, they've been more effective this year, but the Rams rank uh, 26 in plays per game. So when you look at a total that um, is one of the highest on the board for this week. Do you think an under could be in play? I mean, Thursday night unders tend to be a thing anyway, but when you're asking for for less than 54 and a half points, it feels like that that might be the way to bet this one.
2: Yeah, it could be. I, I don't really have a good sense for it in the Thursday game detail, like you said, can can make a trend for the worst for, for any given offense. But I just don't think this is an NFL cornerback rotation that the Seahawks have. And I think Stafford, uh, assuming there's nothing, you know, just weird going on with him. I think Stafford should be able to play against the Seahawks defense a lot like he did against the bears one. And which is to say like, however much fight the Seahawks can muster. I think this, the, the Rams will just kind of respond with a bigger punch every time. Um, Mm -hmm. and just, just until eventually the Seahawks like kind of don't get back up. And, uh, Maybe the Rams still run it up from that point, but I, I don't really think it's in their nature to, in, in McVeigh's nature, to really, uh, you know, go full Brady Belichick on anybody. I think he he, he likes to think he you know has the long game in mind.
1: Okay, I, I see what you're saying there. And then uh, one fantasy question from this one: uh, our friend Greg wants to know, would you start Higby tonight, or would you start Dalton Schultz this weekend?
2: Huh? Um, I mean that's that's a good situation to be in at tight ends, especially for, you know, the acquisition costs that you had to put on those two. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't worry about either way, but I just, I kind of assume, I kind of assume Stafford has the better matchup here than, than Dak. So if I must be, if I must break the tie somehow, I'll go with Higby, but particularly with Gallup still out, Schultz probably is a pretty good play himself and, uh, Martinez is out for, for the Giants. He probably wasn't a great cover linebacker in any way. So it should be a decent matchup for Schultz. I just I just kind of think Stafford's probably going for like 302 or three in this
1: game. Got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, yeah, we have uh, Schultz ranked uh, 15th on, on Jeff Erickson's value meter. So it could definitely uh, do worse that, than him. But I, I think I would personally start Higby uh, tonight as well. Let's get on over to the weekend. A scout in London. We got Falcons Jets Sunday morning. Uh, a, a wince. Uh, <laughs>
2: in we're trying English to. Accent. We're trying to punish Europe. Is that what this? We're trying to make them not like uh, American football. Like what is I, that, what is
1: what else can you really take from from what we've put over there? I mean, it's this always this should be
2: like a games. this should be a diplomatic crisis or something like this. This should this should stoke war tensions between these countries. But um, anyway, Boris uh, I'm going to get up early. Yes, uh, I'm not going to get up early for this one, John. Um, but I will say, uh, I don't know what to, I don't know what to make the the London travel detail. But in terms of just how the teams match up, it, I would say the Jets are the better team, even though they look pretty bad. I mean, the Falcons, they've shown some hints of life, I guess, but not really. It's just, they played other bad teams and there's a lot of ugly in the NFL sometimes. And if, if you're in a lot of ugly games, you just kind of win. If it's some occasionally, you know, it's like one score games are just kind of like a random result. So I don't think the, the Falcons are any good. I think they still have the bottom three roster, whereas the Jets are only like bottom seven or eight or something like that. And, uh, You know, Zach Wilson, at least last week, showed if the pass rush isn't getting to him, he has a chance. And uh, this Falcons team doesn't have a pass rush. So uh, should be a pretty decent spot for Wilson to to build on last week.
1: So, Mario, uh, circling back specifically to the Falcons, uh, you and I are in a Survivor League together uh, in in Derek Van Riper's pentathlon. Would you like to share with the class the the roller coaster of emotions that you were on last Sunday, taking the Washington football team as your Survivor pick? (laughs) um so i haven't i probably haven't taken this
2: as seriously as i should uh i I don't i don't budget time well so i I kind of just i look at the survivor and i i just pick something week one this is a two chance survivor to be super clear because i took uh the jaguars in week one because like they they could probably win a game maybe this one uh that was wrong but uh yeah i took washington last week it was the first one in the list and I was like, Hey, that's not bad. I'll, I'll just go with them. Uh, so yeah, I was, I was, uh, I, I forgot that I picked them long enough that I didn't really go on the roller coaster. I just checked later and I was like, Oh, that was a pretty stupid idea. Huh? Oh, anyway, <laughs> uh, on to the next week. Don't, I can't use Washington anymore. It's a
1: shame, but um, oh, man. Yeah. I can't believe you, you yeah. burned that match, uh, that, that that's early, funny. but, um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah was- so the,
2: the 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 Washington defense is a mess, and I don't know what Jack Del Rio's issue is, but I, I would imagine Ryan looks worse against the Jets defense, even though you know it's 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 not a great one in its own right.
1: Yeah, the, this one is going to be really sloppy. Um, I, I think overall, I think that the London games just tend to be that way. That this one has an over under of forty six. I I like the under in this one. I, I like them hmm. in London in general. Um, I think both these offenses are. Yeah, like, like I said, kind of a mess. Although, you know, I, I will give Wilson credit where it's due. I thought that he looked far and away the best that he's looked so far um, a week ago against the Titans. Yeah. That, that Corey Davis throw was insane.
2: Yeah, that was a, that was a good long-range throw. And uh, obviously, he, he had a really difficult pass rush situation in all the prior games. So um, I do think... It, it, I do think he's he's liable to have, a, you know, kind of just bad rookie plays. And if that happens against even the worst NFL defense, let's just say it's the Falcons, it can still go poorly for for that quarterback. But, you know, it, it should be at worst like a split the difference between last week and the prior three weeks kind of deal.
1: I see. I see. And then um, as it pertains to Atlanta, I, I think one of the big fantasy storylines out of last week did come from that Washington football team Falcons game with Corderell Patterson. So uh, any thoughts on him as far as a sustainable fantasy asset that you can use in your flex moving forward, including this weekend, Um, anything like that? Yeah,
2: I mean, I guess a lot of people got him cheap. So some people might have an embarrassment of riches where they... Can't really get him on the field. But if you're not in that situation, I would say he's closer to like a must start. You know, if if he's in the flex category at all, it's like must start flex kind of category. So uh, I have no idea. I have no idea why Cordell Patterson didn't do more before last week in his whole career. Like as far as like why a guy like him couldn't have been more effective as an NFL receiver or at least gotten a shot earlier as kind of like the running back hybrid that the, the Falcons are using him. I don't understand why any of that happened. I, I think in hindsight, it's like maybe he was just kind of misused his whole career. And even if not, even if he's kind of just like a goofy gadget fit in this offense, like a, it seems like the role is there. And as long as that's the case, uh, you yeah, know, that that's, that puts him in a pretty valuable category alone. But then with the results so far this year, I think we'd sooner conclude that he's actually effective in the role and not just, you know, some kind of fluky gimmick kind of players. Like this is a, a big fast guy who is, uh, you know, he's, he's good at breaking tackles. Just he's bad at every other thing a receiver has to do, but running back, he doesn't have to do it so much. You get the, the, the good traits involved more easily in that role. And it, it's added up so far. I, I don't really know why it should change. He could be one of the absolute best uh, picks this year, pickups this year, depending on the league.
1: Yeah. He, yeah, it's been really encouraging so far. Um, he clearly still has plenty left in the tank. Always been a super talented player. It's just been a the the uh, difficulty for everywhere that he's been uh, has been deploying him correctly. And it seems like the Falcons, yeah. oddly enough, have been the ones to, to figure that one out. At least
2: they can't the do anything else. Does. Right.
1: But uh, they've, they've made
2: Corderell just MVP.
1: So that's something, <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> just like one of those mistake discoveries. Um, but Hey, more power to them. Uh, let's get on over. We got Patriots Texans um, this game. I hope I don't have to see much of it on red zone. It's pretty raunchy or pretty gnarly. You got a 39 and a half point uh, total in this one. You got the Patriots favored by um, anywhere between eight and a half and nine and a half points going up against this hapless Texans team that, you know, got completely dismantled by the bills last weekend, just showed very little. Yeah. They basically showed what we expected them to be the entirety of the season. And it's, the, that week one game that we were talking about against the Jaguars gets further and further in the rearview mirror. And now we have more and more sample of Houston being kind of what we thought they were. So um, I think the Patriots aren't very good, but I I know that the Texans are really, really bad. So that this is just a, a tough one to, to kind of extrude much uh, fantasy uh, intrigue from.
2: Yeah, somebody in the New England offense should be busy. I don't know if it's going to be Jacoby Myers or Nelson Aguilar, one of the tight ends running back. Don't really know. Uh, The spread is believable though. Like the, obviously the bills get credit for what they did on defense last week against Davis mills, but also Davis mills is a really bad quarterback prospect. There was, no good reason at any point for the hype that there was. Like people trying uh you know some some media outlets tr- trying to say you know he could be a, a first round sleeper. Like, no, Davis Mills is bad, and that's before you get into the fact that his knee is a time bomb. So he's really really bad, and I think we can expect the Patriots' defense to put an effort forth pretty similar to the what the Bills one did. Like we'll. Especially if, if, if Bill Belichick decides he wants to confuse Davis Mills, he might decide he doesn't even need to try. Maybe they don't play that much of an aggressive game plan on defense, but I would imagine the, Bill Belichick still wants to make the playoffs and compete in the playoffs. They're one in three. They have to win this game. They can't really take any competitive, you know, advantage for given. It's, it's they're, they're not good enough to really assume that, especially on the road. So um, I, I kind of like the chances of them covering because I, I don't think uh, Davis Mills can advance like really anything against a defense like this uh, against most defenses. So uh, especially, especially with the Houston defense, having s- such bad personnel in the secondary Mac Jones should be able to keep it together. And, and I think kind of control the game the whole time, the, you know, all four quarters.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think so too. I mean, but essentially I see this one being like a 20 to seven, 20 to three type of just slog. Yeah. And- it, it never feels even as close as what that score might suggest. Um, but, but yeah, it's just more more a an indictment on the Texans and, and what they're looking like uh, in its current form, especially with, with Davis Mills uh, back there at quarterback. Let's go on over Vikings, Lions, Vikings nine-point favorites at home. I always have a hard time trusting the Vikings with a big number, but, uh, you know, I'm starting to come around on them a little bit, although last week was obviously – um, that was, you know, that the the rock fight of the week um, against the the Browns. Both Cousins and Baker Mayfield looked really really bad. I thought, <laughs> especially after like you know the game kind of got off to a hot start with Justin Jefferson catching that that early touchdown, and then it just kind of uh, thawed out from there. Um, so they're, they're going up against the Lions team that, that let me down. I had a little bit of belief in them coming coming into last week's game against the Bears. I thought they might be able to to get the win in Chicago. Partially because I'm just that down on Chicago, or have been. That that perspective has changed a little bit too. We'll get to that later. Um, But Lions going on the road here, another divisional game going up against this Vikings team. What say you?
2: I think nine and a half, eight, whatever, whatever the number is on the Vikings, that seems a little high to me. And it's definitely not because I think the Lions are good, especially. It's just. I don't know if I really like the, the Vikings to beat any team by double-digit points unless it's, you know, a F- Falcons, uh, Texans, Jets-type team. Maybe not even the Jets. Maybe maybe just the Texans and the Falcons. I don't know. But this this feels like a lot of points. Uh, granted, I, d- I don't know what the Lions do well exactly at the moment. So like, if they, if they can't get Swift and Hawkinson going in this game, maybe, yeah, maybe the Vikings do get to 10 because – the Lions' defense is bad. There's nothing there. They lost a Quora to, with that Achilles tear, so that's really bad. He was the best pass rusher. So, yeah, they, they were bad to start with. They're reeling now from, from that injury especially. Uh, don't know if they got uh, any of their corners back yet. Uh, they they might be starting that Bobby Price or whatever his name is. who's was supposed to be a practice squad guy. He was not supposed to play, let alone start. So, uh, yeah, they can't cover these receivers. They probably can't slow – Really, either of the Vikings running backs, uh, but I do think that the Vikings defense is pretty not bad exactly bad at bad at corner definitely like their corner rotation is not very good. So, if Daniel Hunter and company can't make golf feel the heat, then those corners might not be able to cover even guys like Cephas and uh, I mean Khalif Raymond. Uh, your, your call last week got the touchdown and. How about uh, it? Guy like him on Brashad Breeland or Patrick Peterson, really. I mean, neither of them can run at this point. So uh, there is a way for the Lions to hurt that secondary enough that it would at least like their chance of, for the backdoor cover. So I'll I'll take the the Lions, especially if it's going to be a nine and a half spread for for the Vikings. But uh, Vikings should control the game.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, you know, we saw that the Browns have tons of receivers running open a week ago. Maybe they just simply could could not hit. Any uh, of them for for the life of him, like it, so many Odell touchdowns that, that could have been that were just. Man,
2: he is so lucky. There's like uh, Jacoby Brissett starting games, Carson Wentz starting games because that that was just that that was some of the worst quarterbacking I've seen in a really long time. I, I don't know why you can't. It, it's like he's it's like he's intimidated by how good beckham is or something and he, he chokes because he, he's like wow that guy's so wide open i better not miss this one and then he just like psychs himself out and pumps it to the other side of the field just just it,
1: brutal it's very very bad it's tough to watch and um it, and then like he has moments like that and then he has moments like the one where he's escaping the pocket and uh Decides to high step for some reason. Oh yeah, you know, the high
2: – he was going Deion Sanders on them. That was awesome. That was so <laughs> it was good.
1: incredible. He should he should yeah. have like held the ball
2: out like, uh, you know that. Yeah, the that loaf of bread. Loose grip. Oh yeah. my god,
1: the absolute yes. best. Uh, sorry for getting too close to the camera there. I was making sure that, that my uh, charger uh, was working. Um, Anywho, let's move on over to our next game. But before uh, we get there, we got a quick message from our sponsors over at Blue Wire. All right. Next up, we got Saints versus football team. Saints one point favorites on the road. Saints, uh, they kind of broke my trust, man. Last week, you're you're at home, sit first game at the Superdome uh, of the year, and you let Danny Dimes come in and beat you in overtime when you're a touch, when you're seven and a half point favorite. I, I, you know, I I got the Saints in timeout right now. I certainly can't trust them to cover. <laughs> Yeah, I mean,
2: uh, I, the Saints are one of the most confusing teams I can remember seeing because after week one, at least, we, we we always have to take them seriously to some extent. Like, we know they can beat most teams. You can't really count them out the way you would. Teams like the Texans and Falcons. But the, the how to actually imagine them winning any given game is almost impossible. It's like, what do they even do? Uh, it's like every every time they win a game, it's because it's just like, Well, Jawan Johnson had that one player. Uh, Deontay Harris had that one play and that was kind of enough. Then they just sat on the ball and they won 17 to 10. And uh, that could work here. I don't, I don't expect the the Saints defense to look so bad two weeks in a row, but I I guess, uh, you know, Bradley Roby, I don't even think has played yet. I don't know what the deal is. I would have thought they could have just plugged him in, replaced Paulson Adebo right away. Maybe they do here. If Roby can play, if Lattimore is decent, that should be pretty tough. Uh, that that defense can obviously be tough. They've already shown it this year and Washington's offensive line probably isn't built to withstand a, a well played, well schemed front seven, especially well. So I don't really see them kind of like, I don't really see Antonio Gibson like running over people. Uh, Terry McLaurin probably has to get loose to, to kind of keep Washington moving the chains regularly. And I, I don't know what to expect as far as that goes. Like McLaurin can beat anybody. It's just Allen is a good defensive coordinator, he probably knows that McLaurin will beat him if he doesn't come up with something. So I would expect him to try at the very least. And as long as he neutralizes McLaurin, maybe Heineke kind of gets a little more uh, makes more ill-conceived throws, stuff like that. But uh, if, if, if Washington doesn't make stupid plays, doesn't turn it over. in defense is just so poorly coached so poorly coordinated that that Jameis does get on track in this game I guess other quarterbacks have looked pretty good against Washington which is it just doesn't make any sense I don't know how it's I don't know how it's possible but uh it's happening and I guess until they actually look decent we have to assume they'll always be or, or at least for the short term being uh not so great on defense not anywhere near what we expected them to be anyway
1: yeah, it's yeah. That's been one of the bigger surprises. I feel like a uh, one of my bigger slips on a banana peel uh, uh, among my best ball teams is just having like pretty much Washington football team defense on all of them. And uh, yeah, t- tough. Teams. I'm shocked uh, by it too. I don't know.
2: I don't understand how a coordinator can be so bad that he makes this team. It, you shouldn't. You shouldn't need to be good. You should be able to just not even really know what you're doing. Yeah, just and get, get out of the way. In this. Yeah,
1: insane. Yeah. Um, question for you. I, I've seen. Floating around in the, in the Twitter discourse th- this week, uh, some consternation over Alvin Kamara, of, of all people. You know, he hasn't scored a touchdown yet, but right. he also had 26 carries last week. He had 24 the week before, had 20 in the season opener. So he's getting rushing work that, like, he never has before. So how do you kind of weigh those two factors out? Because obviously Kamara's been buoyed by that pass catching and that touchdown production in in recent years that you know might not be sustainable for a replacement level player but for a guy like Kamara you know you you trust that he's able to to find the end zone year over year game over game what are your thoughts on on him right now it's a weird look that that offense has had all
2: year and it's maybe affected Kamara more than anybody uh, the way it's it's been so um like it's, it's putting a lot of work on him. Like you said, like his rush attempt falling this higher than it's ever been, but they've just been so bad and lethargic that it, it hasn't gone anywhere. uh Not anywhere near his, his, his historical standards anyway. So it, it's tough to know whether they're just kind of in for a busted year as an offense, or if Peyton can come up with a counter adjustment. If, if maybe if Peyton, Peyton's been uh withholding any play concepts in the, in the the schemes to this point. I don't know if if something like that can uh, change here and get Kamara going, but the usage is high. The matchup seems fine. I mean, I I don't know. I guess you'd rather attack the, the, the Washington defense by the air, but I almost want the, you know, Winston to start throwing to these receivers more because hopefully that can create some space where Kamara can run some routes. So they don't need to give him so many carries specifically. Like if they can, take six of those carries that he's had each of the past couple of weeks, turn ideally those into at least five targets. That would be a way for them to, you know, get the whole offense going a little bit. And in the meantime, you know, especially after a week, like last week, it's kind of tough to feel. You can't really take, it feels a a bit of a leap to take for granted that it'll all get better because they really could have used it getting better last week and it never happened
1: right yeah still very strange that it didn't happen a week ago and you know maybe Washington eventually figures it out on defense maybe it happens this week um at home so yeah that things are just this is one of the stranger games uh, on the slate this weekend uh for sure um let's get on over we got Dolphins Bucks Bucks 10 point favorites in this one at home uh they return home after a couple games away, obviously going out to L.A. and then uh, back to New England a week ago. An emotional win, of course, for Tom Brady and, and company up there in Foxborough. Now they get to face a Dolphins team that lost to Carson Wentz pretty convincingly. So, um, I, I mean, this is a, this is the Bucs, again, 10-point uh, favorites. It's a high number for any NFL team, but man, I, I, I think that the Bucks steamroll here.
2: Yeah. So if Jacoby Brissett is playing, I think the Buccaneers cover, uh, it, I've, I'm sure there's been someone as bad, maybe worse, uh, as Brissett has been the last couple of weeks, but or the last three weeks, but man, I can't, I can't really confidently name anybody. Brissett just doesn't do anything, nothing good anyway. And, uh, I don't. I don't know if there's a defense that I that I would say he can cover against. I don't. I don't know uh, if it matters that the Buccaneers have all these corner injuries. I mean, it, it matters to some extent, I guess. But it it's only it's one of those things that matters, and that uh, it it would keep maybe the Buccaneers from covering a 17 point spread. Uh, maybe maybe that's what the difference is. It doesn't get the the Dolphins anywhere near competing because uh they can't throw and no one can run against the Buccaneers. So I would expect this to get pretty ugly. Uh. I think the, the backup Buccaneers corners are totally good enough to to cover this 10 points.
1: So, you know, the Dolphins were, were a team that drew a decent amount of fantasy interest during draft season. Can you feel confident starting really any of these guys, you know, ranging from a Miles Gaskin to a Mike Kosicki uh, to a Jalen Waddle this weekend?
2: No. Uh, in Waddle's case and, and in Parker's case, I would also say that's, that's mostly due to Brissett. Like if Tua was out there, don't get me wrong they'd still be a crap offense but they would be able to move the ball at some point occasionally like I don't even think that Brissette can do that it's like with with Waddle you're hoping he has that ridiculous 18 target uh 12 catch for 50 yard game because that's the best it's gonna get with Jacoby Brissette there so um I still like some of those players the receivers are good uh I think there is a way they could have had a decent offense this year but the Another big problem is the Dolphins don't know what they're doing. They, they have no idea. There's some kind of disconnect between the front office personnel handling and Brian Flores as a coach. Or, or maybe they're both uh, connected, but neither knows what they're doing. Because th- the whole theory of this offense is just bizarre. This, this thing where, like, uh, th- they were just never going to run the ball, I guess, this year. Like, they had Gaskin do a pretty good job last year. They, they bring in Brown to, to get these eight these eight carries, uh, you know, halfback dive kind of plays but there's no actual um, like volume candidate in the backfield. And, and if they're not going to run, then they're kind of, I guess, going to more of like an air raid kind of philosophy, which they don't have the quarterback or offensive line personnel to do. So um, they're kind of, I think they came into this year without a really good plan and whatever plan they had quickly was shown for a poor idea. And now they're just kind of mashing buttons, seeing if they can get their way out of this. And I don't think they have a prayer. I think they're, they're just a, Badly run team, decent coaches as far as like on field coaching, but don't know what the offense is supposed to be and whatever they thought it was, it's 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 not gonna fly.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm a proponent of button mashing just kind of as a lifestyle, but you know, if I'm a fan of the Dolphins, I'd prefer my coaching staff to to come up with a little bit more than
2: that. Yeah, it seems like they just didn't. I don't know, like they they uh, overslept on the season or something and tried to put a, a game plan together just. I don't know, right? Like five minutes before kickoff. And uh, they, they're still working on it. And I don't think they'll catch up.
1: Nope. I don't think so either. And, and obviously the quarterback situation sets them back and just kind of like cements them de- like down towards the basement um, of the AFC East. Uh, before we get to some a message from a couple of our sponsors, quick question for you, Mario. Uh, we got a listener, uh, Wael Deheer, uh, asking us, would you trade Mixon for DJ Moore right now?
2: Um, there's there's probably some teams that it would make sense for. I, I don't think you really want to like run away from Joe Mixon. Obviously, the the injury's a bit concerning, but it is a low ankle, right? It's not supposed to be yeah. high, so he could be back pretty quick. And Moore, I think, will basically continue to have the season that he has. But I also think he's maybe had a bit of a best case scenario in this first month, like Robbie Anderson and the and, uh, Terrace Marshall, whoever else, they're, they're going to do something eventually to the point they've done nothing. So Moore is a really good player. And I think we both liked him going into this year, John, but uh, I, I would probably need to be rich at running back and poor at receiver before I would make that move right now, even though there are probably some cases where it would make totally good sense.
1: Right. So, you know, if you, if you feel good about, what you'd be rolling out there, running back wise, uh, while losing Mixon, then, then I think that move would make some sense because, like you said, DJ Moore has been basically playing at that at that top range of outcomes so far. But I don't know. I think it could continue for for a bit here. I mean, even if uh, Robbie Anderson gets on track, it, it does feel like Moore is kind of like option A, option B in that passing game, and Darnold seems to be playing at a level that we haven't seen. Uh, him do at, at the NFL level, so um, yeah. I, I uh, again, team context important for your fantasy here, but um, I, I think I'd be down uh, to move Mixon for, for DJ Moore. Um, before we get on to our next game, we got a message from our friends over at WinBet. If there's one thing we appreciate here at RotoWire, it's making good decisions, and even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks! I have an incredible offer for you. With Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's Fantasy Podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, moneyline bets, boosted parlays, over/unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. And if you want to break from sports betting, head into WinBet's digital casino. Take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at baccarat. Winbet is currently available in six states as Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At Winbet, the possibilities are limitless. Winbet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 with your first wager. Download Winbet right now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T, Winbet, the exclusive partner for RotoWires fantasy podcast we also got a message for our friends over at yahoo the new nfl season is underway and yahoo is excited to kick off daily fantasy football there will be a ton of big prize contests throughout the season on yahoo including their multi-entry contest now being shark free celebrate the beginning of football season and yahoo daily fantasy becoming shark free yahoo is giving all users the opportunity to claim a free ten dollars in contrast contest Entry credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 contest entry credit offer to join one of Yahoo's biggest contests. In addition to the free credit, Yahoo has a $1 million uh, DFS football contest live. The $1 million contest features $1 million in total prizes, including first place receiving $100,000 and an entry to the first ever Yahoo Fantasy Football Championship live finals event which will occur at MGM National Harbor in Maryland this December. Play Daily Fantasy on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to claim the free $10 ten dollar offer to get started. Again, that's sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome. All right, Mario, moving on into Sunday's action, we got Packers, Bengals, Packers going to Cincinnati. They are three-point favorites against the surprising three and one Bengals. What's your read here?
2: Well, uh, the Jair Alexander injury is a huge deal. That is probably a top, I don't know, three corner in the NFL. And Eric Stokes looks pretty good on one side, but if the Packers have to go to Kevin King or anybody really, that's a huge downgrade from Alexander. So uh, we'll see uh, that defense could look all of a sudden a lot worse than it has Uh, at least in the past defense, going back a pretty decent amount of time, I guess, like since however long Alexander's been there now. And particularly if T Higgins uh, is able to go here, you would think Higgins chase Boyd. That's a lot of stress for a secondary that's reeling that already was weak on one side, whatever side Alexander wasn't on was a side you could beat. with this Packers uh, defense, so they're, they're really beat up. Bengals have obviously three really good receivers. I, I don't want to really pick the Bengals to win exactly, but I also don't want to pick the Packers to win. So uh, I don't know. I, I, I'll I'll be a coward and uh, I'll say the, the Bengals cover, but the Packers win uh, by like two.
1: Okay. I, I like it. Um, and then as far as uh, the fantasy angle um, for the Packers is concerned, um, your thoughts on AJ Dillon getting a little bit more run this past weekend um, and, and also Randall Cobb. Uh, coming out of the woodwork a bit on Sunday
2: yeah Cobb worked really well with Rodgers in that game so maybe he keeps it going if if he does if he's playing like last week and working with Rodgers that well it almost doesn't really matter what the matchup is in terms of his corner uh, matchup or whatever because there's so much broken play kind of utility with Cobb him and Rodgers work really well improvising so he can be covered initially on a play and, and still get open and make plays like he did last week. So I, I guess you, you have to like Cobb, uh, especially if Valdez is Valdez scaling back in. Yeah. Or uh,
1: what is it? Is he on IR? I think, yeah. One of the Packers receivers that went on IR. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. If, if, there,
2: if there's, if there's snaps, if, uh, if they're playing a Lazard outside and they're creating more slot snaps for Cobb, then, That should keep working. Like, I don't really think Lazard's going to draw a a high volume of work. He's pretty good, but the the target per snap number is definitely going to be much higher with Cobb, and it looks like he might play about as many snaps as Lazard. So um, that should keep going. I like A.J. Dillon as a prospect, obviously. I I don't really understand, though, why they took him in the second round if they weren't going to use him more than they have. So uh, last week, a game like that was probably overdue. I think they should try to get – him involved more often earlier in games because um, it can be to Aaron he doesn't need them to be tired but it would be interesting to see Aaron Jones running against a tired defense for once.
1: right exactly um, so we'll, we'll see what, what happens there and I feel like that the the Bengals defense for to their own credit um, has been respectable this year certainly better than it was a year ago where you could pick on it completely
2: well logan wilson looks really good at linebacker and uh i guess um where is he from oh logan wilson he he was a yeah third rounder from wyoming last year that's right baby really good college player specifically really what's up go pokes baby laramie wyoming i want to go yeah i mean he looks good he's really good coverage linebacker especially and he's making plays in coverage so um, Green Bay does have a problem at left tackle at it. I guess, uh, they're still down to their third string or whoever that is. And, uh, that that's not an easy defense going against, uh, what is it, Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson. So it's not an easy game for the Packers. I think, I think it could be pretty close
1: actually. Okay. No, I, th- I think you make a really good case there for, for the Bengals. I, I think the, the casual better might just see the matchup and lean Rodgers, lean the Packers, but, um, uh, the Bengals, friskier uh, than maybe uh, the public is picking up on uh, despite their, their three or three and one record that they're looking pretty solid thus far. Um, let's get on over to another AFC North team. Uh, one that is on the complete other end of the spectrum. One that just got beaten by both the, the Bengals and the Packers in recent weeks, that'd be the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're at home facing off against the three and one Denver Broncos. You know, I, I hate to victory lap this early, Mario, but we were right about the Steelers.
2: Yeah, that was that was kind of an easy one to see coming because you could tell they were just sort of whistling past the graveyard, acting like Ben Roethlisberger was anything other than toast and that uh, the idea that like a 24th overall running back pick would somehow get them back on track. They showed just fundamentally they weren't really, you know, they, they weren't really on, on board with reality. They were just pretending things were were some other way than what they actually were. And now they find themselves here, not really in a position to to change anything. Um, it feels like it could get worse. I, it, I guess it could get better. It doesn't really feel that possible though. It feels like they're, they're kind of maxed out on pretty much everything that they have at their disposal. And it's like you, they hope that going to Matt Canada, having his slight scheme differences implemented and, and going back to the high volume running back, like that would all bring the Steelers offense back to what it was you know 10 years ago and instead none of that turned out to be true they don't really have any more tricks to turn to uh Roethlisberger says he's hurt I don't really believe him I think he uh adds an injury for each embarrassing game and maybe yes. this is it maybe this is the one where he finally says like this sucks I quit and you know goes goes and says like hey my you know, my, my thumbs up really hurts. My I need ice on everything right now and uh, put put Rudolph in, put Haskins in. I don't know. Um, against the Broncos, it's not going to go well, whoever the quarterback is, because that defense is pretty tough. Uh, even outside of mile high, you'd think this Denver defense will, will travel pretty well. And uh, they've got as much cornerback talent as the Sealers do receiver talent. You know, the one way that the Sealers might get a little leverage on someone that they're uh, – some opponent, some defense that they're facing – It doesn't apply here. The Broncos corners probably have the advantage of anything. So it's, it's not going to get better. And I get, or at least if Najee Harris, doesn't just single-handedly carry the offense, it really can't get better. And and that doesn't really seem likely.
1: Right. I mean, like he can, he can carry it in the sense that like, you know, he, he's getting the most touches and everything like that, but it doesn't mean he's carrying it very far.
2: He can't single-handedly beat a tough defense.
1: No, no, I don't think so either. Um, Deontay Johnson having a pretty good start to his season, but, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, yeah. not so much. And, they, you know, again, it all kind of starts and ends with the offensive line and Roethlisberger, and they just seem to be in deep, deep trouble. Um, your thoughts on, you know, the, the the Steelers' defense is still pretty good. Uh, you know, over the course of a game like last week where the offense keeps giving the ball back to, to Green Bay – and you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, of course, who are going to eventually pay for it. Can the Broncos make the make the defense pay the same way this time around?
2: Um, I am not sure what I expect for this Broncos offense. And uh, is is Teddy out again? I, I don't know. What? Uh... Um,
1: I think he was he was doing like some activity earlier this week, um, and I think he could be cleared as soon as tomorrow, Friday.
2: Okay, well, if Bridgewater's in, then. I think I think I would expect them to to win this because I think I think you can play just a, a war of attrition against the Steelers. Like they can't really move the ball. Maybe you can't move the ball in their defense either, but you can keep it together better than Roethlisberger can. Like you can afford to go into your shell a little bit when you have a defense like Denver's, and when you're going against a quarterback in, in the state that Roethlisberger's in with the kind of offensive line that he has. So. I think the the checkdown kind of quarterback, the game manager, can work for Denver in the scenario. So if Teddy can be that, I I think they'll you know eke by. If it's Locke, that's a lot riskier, and it it could go either way. Like Locke maybe can give them more explosive possibilities than Bridgewater. Not that I really take that for a given, but uh, even if it's true, Locke has a has a much greater ability to sort of just turn a play upside down, even though everything else is going well with it. So yeah. if, if Denver can play the the, the kind of just, uh, you know, bourbon bowl kind of thing and win here, and a, a Teddy can keep that together at least.
1: All right. I'm in on that um, as well. I think, yeah, I think we could see a conservative play style still end up winning uh, when it comes to Denver this weekend in Pittsburgh. Got a couple other listener questions for you, Mario. Let, let's hear what you think. Um, Chase Edmonds or Damian Harris this weekend? Uh, in PPR, and then uh, Zach Ertz or Max Williams?
2: Huh, that is is a tough one. Um, If Damian Harris is healthy, I think I... I still like Damian Harris. I don't think he's bad or anything. Uh, Been a rough couple weeks, I guess, but if if he's able to go... The the Patriots winning by double digits seems likely to me. I guess it all could be Mac Jones. It could be somebody else, but at least J.J. Taylor fumbled last week, right? So... Mm -hmm. um, I think I think this could be a get right spot for Harris, but if if you want to go with Edmonds, I would not worry about that either. I mean he's he's got a certain floor. I don't I don't know if he can really go over that floor. I don't know if the ceiling is much different from the floor, but he at least gives you that. And admittedly, Harris has been shaky. Is that so was that a height joke? What? No, I would never make a height joke. I'm 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 listed. At, uh, I have the same listed height as, as Edmonds, so I'm not gonna. Yeah,
1: I guess that, that okay. makes two of us. Yeah.
2: Less than Kyler too, so I don't appreciate that, uh, yeah. short
1: thing. Yeah,
2: it's not true. People who are five, people who are under five foot nine are short. I'm like,
1: I'm I'm the line, right there, right freaking there, man. And then, um, Ertz or Max Williams? Oh yeah. Um, whew, man, I
2: I was a Max truther for the longest time. So him having these couple big games this year, mm-hmm. it mostly has me like hooting like an idiot, and like uh, I'm back <laughs> yeah. on. That. And I, I think Ertz is like underwhelming enough that I can keep it going here and just, you know, keep the the max chant going it, admittedly. He's more likely to fall off than have like two good games in a row. It's just, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I can't really get, I can't really feel safe with Ertz either personally.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Ertz. I mean, like, like when he's not the one a at his position, it makes it a little bit tougher. Um, I know we have him ranked higher than Max Williams, but I, I might go Max Williams. Uh, myself. And, and yeah, I can't get the uh, the image of him hurdling those guys in that bowl game out of my <laughs> head, even six years later, or however long it's been. Um, let's go. Uh, we got another uh, listener question here, and then we got to run through these games quick. Dijo wants to know, uh, quick question, 12-man PPR and have uh, Mike Williams, Debo, and Thielen, should I hold on to Michael Thomas until he comes back or try to sell high on one of these guys? Um, let's see here. I, I have I'm actually interested to hear what you say on this one because I have Michael, or I'm sorry, Michael Thomas stashed in a bunch of spots. I don't know if I'm letting go of any of these guys though. I think like I, like I definitely see the the appeal of trying to sell high, and that, but you're also banking on Michael Thomas being good. And the, the the way that the Saints' offense has been so far, obviously the Michael Thomas uh, re re addition into the offense could could help change things and make the overall offense a lot healthier. But I'm not banking on it so much that I'm like rushing to get rid of any of these guys. Obviously, I, I think I would rank Thielen probably third of of this group. Although Mike Williams obviously had the disappointing night um, on Monday, but I still trust him. Um, what say you?
2: Yeah. So if you have Mike Williams, Debo, those are two clear profit receivers this year. Like even if they don't really do that great in the second half, it's like they've, their own, their investors are already doing pretty well so when you get players like that at the price you probably did when they're having years like they're having i'm more inclined to just lock them in and consider it like a like you gained ground on your opponents by getting these returns from these receivers for the prices you paid and i I don't think they need to do more I i think that's just an advantage you should lock in and if thomas comes back and looks good you know it might might be a little bit of a of a traffic jam there at receiver but if you can start three receivers and a flex you might just have all four of them in your lineup at that point and not to not to like just reason on the basis of misfortune but Debo has a bit of an injury history Mike Williams has a bit of an injury history there is a chance somebody just gets hurt misses some time and and even in that case too you'll be glad you had Thomas in the meantime I'm kind of skeptical you can get what is what would be enough to make it worth parting with Samuel or Williams and uh, yeah, Thomas, his, his market is pretty low right now, but I, w- I would almost sooner trade Thomas than any of the others, but I, I also wouldn't really feel any pressure to move at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very interested to see what, what the Michael Thomas return looks like whenever um, that might happen. So I hope that helps you Dijo. Um, before we get on to our next Uh, group of games we got a message from our friends over at thrive fantasy come prop up on thrive fantasy this season thrive fantasy is a daily fantasy sports and esports app for player props with thrive you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on the top tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game will they go over or under their projected stat totals Choose 10 of the 20 available player props to build your lineup. Each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and the under based on how likely it is to hit. Hit the most props and rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has a free $1,000 NFL Week 5 RotoWire uh, contest for RotoWire supporters. Use promo code RotoWire when you sign up, and you will also receive a 100% instant first deposit match up to a hundred dollars download thrive fantasy on the ios at ios app store or google play store or sign up by visiting www.thrivefantasy.com get in on the action and prop up today all right mario we got a bunch of games to run through here so we'll hit these quick eagles panthers panthers three point favorites in this one eagles Didn't look as big of a disaster last week as they did, obviously, that Monday nighter against Dallas. Um, But I think the Chiefs kind of uh, were were a little bit passive on on defense in that one and and allowed uh, the Eagles to move the ball a decent bit. I don't know if the Panthers are going to be so amenable and that this one is at home for the Panthers. So um, this that line feels low to me. I feel like the Panthers uh, should take control of this one.
2: Yeah, I didn't expect uh, Jalen Hurts to have the passing volume that he did last week. So I could be wrong again here, but I hate the matchup for him, and uh, he's doing some things well. But I, I just I worry about this pass rush. I think Burns is, is on a level that people haven't quite noticed yet, and uh, he he can be a game wrecker in my opinion.
1: I think so too. Um, and then I guess you know the the fantasy wrinkle here. What do you do with Chuba Hubbard?
2: I think you keep him active if you paid to acquire him or in most cases anyway, because it'd be one thing if you just picked him in the last round and he's just, you're running back five. It's like, you don't, know, that person doesn't really need to think too much about Hubbard in my opinion, but if you pick, if you picked him up, then you presumably did it for the reason of deploying him now. And if, if not
1: now there was never a reason to bid on him. Yep. Absolutely. I think that's, that's a great way of framing it. Titans, Jags, Titans, Four point favorites on the road after having lost uh, as the touchdown favorites oh, to the Jets. I think the Titans stink, but I mean, I don't know. Maybe if they get some <laughs> receiver personnel back, may, maybe it's better. But I mean, the Jaguars are obviously a complete mess. And, you know, Irvin Mott. Bobby Irvin- Petrino <laughs> is like, this is bad. He's like, this, this is like, man, this, your, this your is a game is trash. Yeah. Yeah. At uh-huh. least um, we're a neck race.
2: Yeah, at least at least get in an embarrassing but gnarly and cool uh accident. <laughs> yeah. With your uh with Cayman, Nebraska. Uh but <laughs>
1: anyway,
2: I think this is this is the just about the weirdest team situation I think we'll ever see. Uh, really thought it was going to be the Houston Texans, uh, you know, the 2021 Deshaun Watson Houston Texans. I thought that was going to be the weirdest story ever, but Urban Meyer had to get in front of them, had had to get get a lead and then just the most absurd storyline possible. It can't be good for the, the focus of the Jags. I don't know how they're even conducting like basic team operations right now. So uh, I think lowly of the Titans generally, and certainly I don't think Rabel's very good, but I, I think uh, they, sh- they should, they should win just almost by default and probably by more than four points.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're probably right. As much as I like to bag on the Titans right now. Um, how about Jeremy it... McNichols? Finally,
2: Max Williams and Jeremy McNichols. It only took until 2021 for it's, the truth to come out. It's all
1: coming together, boys. Yeah. Um, how much Derek Henry are you using in DFS this week? Uh,
2: I guess you really got to think about it because the matchup is is great and Tennessee is desperate. Mike Vrabel is desperate right now. He can't really take this game that lightly. He might want to run it up. Just to create the feeling of like, hey, we're still a good team, you guys, because because right now the
1: Titans know they're not very
2: good, and uh, if they don't clobber the Jags, they'll be even more sure yet.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a really good way of putting it. So so yeah, the the Titans might be compelled to um to really kind of rub this one in, and I think the Jaguars can uh, of course let that happen. Bears, Raiders, Raiders, five and a half point favorites in this one. Raiders came back down to earth a little bit on Monday night and the bears showed some life. Uh, I thought last Sunday, albeit against the Detroit lions and they were at home, but you know that, so that, that makes for an interesting matchup in the sense that, you know, they, these two teams just kind of bucked their early season trends that, that were starting to form uh, just a week ago. So it's a, it's a question of like, what do you make of that compared to what they had been previously? And, and how do you apply it to this week?
2: Yeah, so on the one hand, five and a half points feels like a lot for the Raiders. On the other, I don't know if I really believe in the Bears' offense a whole lot. The the Montgomery injury, of course, can't really help. But Justin Fields, yeah, he looked better last week. But these conditions, playing against the Raiders' defense in general is more like playing the Browns' defense than the Lions' one. And specifically, that edge-rushing problem that was so crippling against the Browns there's no Miles Garrett here, but Max Crosby's really good. Yannick Ngakwe is really good. They're causing problems, uh, probably getting more pressure than their sack count would uh, lead you to believe at a glance. And this team still, the, the Bears still have Jason Peters at left tackle. So I'm a little worried for Justin Fields. Uh, I think he's a good prospect and everything, but I don't think he's got a great offensive line situation. And I think if you have a bad offensive line situation, it tends to show up against a, a team like the Raiders.
1: Yeah, I, I think so, too. Yeah, that, that's going to be an issue, no doubt. And I think this Raiders offense is definitely not – not. ooh, we got a uh, breaking news here before before we sign off. Uh, looks like uh, from Adam Schefter, a, a note on Calvin Ridley. One, one second, bear with me here, folks. Uh, Falcons receiver Calvin Ridley is not making the trip to London due to a personal matter, Woo-hoo. and he is out for Sunday's game against the Jets. <sighs> Yeah, that's have <laughs> got a lot of Kelvin, really. <laughs> me too, me too. That's. Uh, I have a decent uh, amount of Kyle Pitts
2: too,
1: but. I don't
2: know. Well, maybe maybe he'll get fourteen targets now, and uh, it'll be okay. I don't know. I, I I still do like Kyle Pitts. I I know last week was disappointing, and games like last week will happen, but. And he's he's getting a good share. The problem is the the team is just so. Destroyed uh, that in Corderell Patterson, <laughs> apparently.
1: Yeah, yeah, Cordell, just the, the ultimate undoer. Corderell
2: um, for like two hundred and four
1: touchdowns now. That's that's the ticket. Um, there it is. All right, we got a handful of games left to run through here, so let's go quick. We got right. uh, Browns, Browns, Chargers, uh, Chargers, anywhere between one point favorites and two and a half point favorites in this one, going up against the Browns. Uh, where are you with this one?
2: Chargers are the real deal. The Browns are just kind of a, a good wild card team, in my opinion. And uh, Baker can't play when there's any stress uh, or when his receivers are open. Apparently, so uh, I think Herbert is a level or two above, and it shows up. The Chargers get it.
1: Yeah, that 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 drive to to kind of shut down the the Raiders' momentum swing on, on uh, Monday night was really impressive from Herbert. Yeah, Herbert is Herbert's locked in. He's he's really really good. Yeah, he's a beast. Um, Cards, 49ers. Cards, five point favorites at home against the Niners. Trey Lance looking to like hit, he'll be the guy. Uh, what say you? It's a
2: dangerous spot for Lance, both because it's on the road and it's because it's this particular defense. They're tough to read. They're, they're huge. They're fast, especially in the front seven. They, they can do a lot of stuff before the snap that doesn't look like the result after the snap that you would expect. It could get pretty bad here, in my opinion, for Lance. So I like Lance long term. I think they should have started him in week one. But you always worried about this game, if so. And I, I would take the Cardinals to, I don't know, I guess a touchdown or more.
1: Yeah, the, Car- the Cardinals are, are definitely playing at an extremely high level right now. So that that going up against a rookie quarterback, that, that makes me lean cards. Um, Cowboys, Giants, Cowboys giving seven at home against, you know, a Giants team that, that obviously just got the the kind of out of nowhere win a week ago. Yeah. I mean, Daniel Jones is playing
2: pretty well. I, I don't know if I f- trust Dallas for seven points, but uh, I do like their offense, the way it looks. I think they're they're showing some pretty good, uh, some good ideas. They're, they're being pragmatic and varied from week to week, doing a good job, uh, giving new looks. And when you, when you're doing that and you got a quarterback like Dak, you should pretty easily win a game like this, but I have to think Jones is one of the most dangerous quarterbacks for the backdoor cover. If not anything else, like he's, he's, he's just chucking the ball, you know, he's doing crazy stuff.
1: Yeah. He's good on the road too. Um, so yeah, his career road numbers uh, definitely solid. So, um, yeah, I kind of, I kind of like the the giants to, to cover this big number. Um, last, uh, last game on Sunday to get to, uh, before we jump out of here, uh, Maybe the, the game of the weekend, obviously. Um, AFC championship rematch. We got the Chiefs playing host to the Buffalo Bills. What happens in this one?
2: Mahomes will be good. I guess the question is what Allen does, and I'm still worried about him. He's he's clearly lost something that he had last year, and now it's up to the to Dable and Allen to try to counter-adjust. Maybe they do it here, but Arrowhead usually isn't the place that your struggling passing game gets on track. So, uh, I don't know. I, I think the Chiefs cover maybe the over hits though
1: yeah it's a, it's a high over uh, 56 and a half but you know we got a we got you know all the AFC talent uh, going in this one and you know Tyree Hill gets on track last week ceh has had a couple good weeks in a row um, you know maybe Travis Kelsey can exploit something in the in the secondary as well so um, I tend to lean on, on the Chiefs in this one as well uh, That's gonna wrap things up for this edition of the roto wire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by our friends over at WinBet. For Mario Puig, I'm John McCagney. Thanks for listening.
2: Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?